Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Mixed Company. I am Simeon. I'm Karina. I'm Kai. Sorry, I'm not even paying attention. I'm Kai. What's going on? How's everybody doing? We all good. It's been a while. Well, for me. Well, for you. You've been... <laughs> I don't think it's been... A, it hasn't been a while for listeners. We've still been just releasing regularly. Yeah. I mean, I liked epi- last episode. I took notes. She a lie and she... I did. <laughs> I took notes. And I was like, yes. Great were, job. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> it, was, it was a long episode, but uh, if you haven't listened to episode 12, you should go back and listen to it. It was about... Glass ceilings. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> it, it wasn't a while for me. But uh, everybody's good? Kai's good? She's in, has her head in her phone? Well, after this discussion, <laughs> I think you guys have no, different point fine. of view. <laughs> I was like, you know what it is? Just so much just in life has happened since the last recording. I mean, obviously, we'll get into some of it, a lot of it during the podcast today. But between the election, the season changing, this mother nature literally having um hot flashes hot flashes <laughs> which in turn makes me have hot flashes <laughs> i'm just like dang <laughs> this is just a lot i've been sequestered away from all of this so I oh yeah you've literally been yeah, by the I'm equator not, so i was your photos were making me laugh though the one with about with the black cat Oh, there was a. There what, was did, what were you eating? Simeon finds a need for diversity in everything, including am, Animalia, <laughs> anim, uh, anim, was, the animal kingdom. I was I was eating moqueca in Salvador, Brazil. It's like uh, I don't know, yo. I just ate it. I, and <laughs> it's I ate just a, greatness. I, it looks like a, it looks <laughs> like a, a paella, but like not really. Was I it right? I think it's in the pa- No, it's it's in the. I think it's in the paella What's family. Moqueca. Sounds like a curse word. Mo. Yeah, there was there was. Mo yeah. <laughs> So the, the first day that I was eating mo keka, there was a white cat that was beating up on a black cat, and the black cat retreated. And then two days later, while I was eating mo keka, the black cat fought back, and I was very happy. It was. Uh, and you would play. It was a revolutionary moment. Moments me. eating mo keka. So it says that mo keka is a Brazilian shrimp fish stew, a Brazilian fish stew that uses salt water fishes, and it looks like it also has, what's that, yep, it has rice, this one has egg in it, I guess that's for vegetarians. Yeah, sounds, sounds accurate. Yeah, it looks like a, look like a, a rice a rice stew. Well, sorts. you pour the moqueca over the, mm. the rice. So it's like Brazilian gumbo. That's a, probably a good way to put it. Mm. It's like gumbo that you pour over the rice. Mm-hmm. And there's like coconut milk in it and mm. things. That sounds delicious. You have to make some and bring it for yes. us. I will be doing any of that. But oh, yeah. Make it for Friendsgiving. Yeah. I don't want to poison anybody. That's why I don't cook for Bye, anybody. Simeon. I will okay. cook you You're eggs. You're the dessert person, aren't you? I will cook no, you eggs. Bottles. He tries to... Br- Simeon tries to bring moonshine to every daggone Friendsgiving, and every year I say, no, I don't want that shit in my house. <laughs> Have people I'm poisoned and, like, falling over themselves, usually me, in my house. No, I brought, I brought moonshine one time, and then every other time I bring, like, some fancy 
Cognac. Cognac, because the, like, <laughs> the, 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 no, it's, it's usually like some some that you don't know the name of. Because okay. the gentrified liquor store around the corner from my house does not sell Hennessy. Hennessy. Lord have mercy. You'll see when you come this year. Yes. All right. Well, I guess we can get into a listener letter. All right. So this one comes from, let's call her Stephanie. Um, Stephanie wrote in, I just started a new job and everything seems to be going well and everyone seems pretty nice. However, I kind of got some feedback today that I didn't really agree, agree with much. See, I'm going natural, so I haven't been applying heat to my hair. I was just told that I need to make my hair neater, which I felt as if they were try- my supervisor was trying to tell me that I needed to straighten my hair. This really bothered me and has been really hard on me going to work every day and having to interact with my team. What should I do? Wait, but does this person, okay, so does this person work in media and does advertising? Does it care? Does it matter? Yeah, it does. I don't, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. I think in general, just like, no. for the record, <laughs> no, she doesn't. This is also her first job. Mm-hmm. Um, not that any of this matters either, nope. but she doesn't necessarily, if you're thinking that maybe she has like really like, no, no. Tough or like very um, thick or kinky hair. She does not. It's actually very similar to your hair. I don't. I'm not really talking about texture. I'm talking about what is she properly in, a, in in the office. Well, here's the thing. We. I guess this will go into our <laughs> answers. But here's my thing. As long as my hair doesn't stink, and isn't in yep. anybody's way. Yep. And, um, yeah, like if my hair is growing out of my head in its natural state, that shouldn't automatically be deemed as unneat. You just got to deal. Because what, and, but it shouldn't be a thing to deal with. Like, why do you, why do you have to deal with it? Right. So my thing, cause she is new. This is her first job out of school. I feel like, listen. Learn what you can at this job and start looking for other places where you may be a better culture fit because quite (laughs) frankly, because I mean, quite frankly, like that's what we talk about the the entire time on this podcast, right? Like that in itself. And it's so sad that this is your first experience into the workforce. That is exactly what we fight against or what we resist against. Like your hair is not neat because it's not straight or it's not permed. I mean, overall, in general, the the theory of what is proper has it's caused issues for many multicultural candidates throughout the history of employment. Let me go deeper, actually, because there's more. There's more. I just didn't think it was important. But um, the supervisor is um, of Puerto Rican and Venezuelan descent. And Stephanie is Mm. of Dominican descent. Okay. So, again, the conversation, like, we can't say, oh, this is, you know, this isn't like a white people versus brown people kind of thing. This is like, this is that, (laughs) this is that Solange pushback when it comes from your own people type of deal. 
Yeah, and that's where you I know? was like thinking like where what is who's actually saying this to you? Who's actually saying this to you and what do other what do other brown people look like at this office? It seems like everyone's really clean cut. But, but, but it shouldn't again, it should not matter if it's your natural but, state. It should not be a comment because Right. But here, it's, that's, that's here, you. Here, here's the thing, because you, you mentioned that the supervisor was Hispanic. Was that to negate like the seriousness of the comment? That's because I didn't want this to turn into people like this is somebody that should understand her point in, in pointing that out was this is somebody that should understand her culture, her hair, the texture, the natural, what nat being natural means for and to her. But the, and they're still seeing it as unkempt and unneat. But the, the term uh, Pelomalo is. It's, oh, because you came back from Brazil, so you, but, know, you know some things. No, no, but, but, <laughs> let's, but let's be real. Like, Palomalo means bad hair in Latin cultures, hmm? right? And it's talking about natural <laughs> hair. So, like, you saying that she's Venezuelan just makes me go, yo, she's just one of those people who, who grew up believing that proper is assimilating to European beauty standards mm -hmm. in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, my first job <laughs> in media, and then you and kind of you've had you and I have had this conversation about me growing up and my parents raising me to be proper. So when <laughs> when I got hired, I had a bald head, and then the revolution started. <laughs> was it televised? <laughs> was it at and, least televised? <laughs> and then I decided I was going to grow my hair out, mm -hmm. and one day I walked into my boss's office. And my hair was probably like two or three inches long. And he pointed out my hair and he said, how long are we going to do this? What? And I was like, I don't know. As long as I feel like growing it. And then I walked out. The fact you, that it's a comment. But the, but the fact of the matter is, the idea of proper only applies to, when it comes to looks, only applies to people of color. Because... White dudes could come into the into the office with their hair long and greasy and unkept and unwashed for weeks, days, months, months. whatever, <laughs> and no one cares. That's just that's just Billy's look, you know. <laughs> that's just, that's just <laughs> Billy's kind of gruff. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah, we like we get it, and I think right. I, I almost feel like we all agree. Um, this is clearly just another one of those oppressive moments in history when you're told <laughs> that being, being of being anything that's not European looking right. is wrong. The, the, to her question though, of what should I do? HR. My, I don't well, even, honestly, HR though, I don't, I don't, I don't even think that I don't even think that you should go that route because I feel like going the route of HR is when you're looking for a way to sustain yourself. Okay. This is clearly just, you know, like that's this, you're, it's not gonna work out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not gonna work out because it'll start with your hair, Nail something and else. then it'll be, um, well, try not to listen to that kind of music at your desk. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it'll yeah. Be start to be like smaller things and the way you dress and the things you eat and the things you like to do. And it's like, that is already telling you this isn't a good culture fit. This is your first job, which means you don't have to be there for the rest of your life, which means, for me, learn what you can in the right. 10 to 12 months. <laughs> in the 8 to 12 months that you might be there, learn everything you can 
I would say even in this situation, fly under the radar and start doing your research about other places. But, like, But that doesn't address her wanting to keep her here in, this, in the natural state that she has it right now in those eight girl, to 12 months while she's, while works, she's looking. A bun works wonders. There's a lot of protective styles There's protective out there. stylings out there. A bun works wonders. You can pin curl. In the meantime, I don't think she's asking what to do with my hair. I think the question is like, I, yeah, I, 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 but to me, it's going to H. I mean, I, it's almost like yeah, you can go to H. It's like worth going fighting. To, worth fighting when yeah. this is your but first is, is job. It a, is it a, is it a fight or is it just making sure that you like you feel uncomfortable? You feel At like your some, first job, like your first few weeks there, you're already going to HR. Your first job out of college, like we don't even know how we're but, just but learning sure, how to have but these sure, conversations. You're not, but you're not complaining about. But but that's that's, that's the thing. Had had I known what I know then, what I know now, I would have went to HR, because what what you're having is what you're setting up. Because she can go to that person directly and say, "Hey, I felt offended by your comment. This is why I felt offended by your comment." But you still need to go to HR to say, this is a conversation that I plan on having. I just want to protect myself. Yeah, I almost feel like it's not even worth it. I feel like going to HR is, is a, is a point you, of preservation. But you so my thing is like the comment that, the fact that it's a comment. And you, it's a comment in your review? See, like, so yeah, like, what is HR going to say? That sounds way, like a policy. But here's, right. here's the way that I look at it. If she's going to stick it out, Every single day that she puts her hair in a quote-unquote protective style, that is a reminder that her natural state isn't wanted. Yeah. That means she's going to work every day feeling uncomfortable because she's not wanted. But that's the point of finding something else to a place where they will accept you. Does she like this job? That's what I mean by... The people are nice, they just don't accept her. That's what it's saying. And that's like choosing your battles. Like, are right. you, is it worth In your going? first job, it's not, no one's, you know, you haven't even had a chance to, like, show you're a good worker. And the comment is not about her work. It's It looks like hair. they like her work, just not her hair. To me, that's not even a, a battle worth fighting. If they like your work, keep doing good work. And, I mean, you, I feel like let's, not, let's not expect this to be your, your longest running <laughs> experience. I, I think it's more of choose your battles. Remember the story? I don't know if you've seen it, but there is this um, story about this woman who would wear head wraps to work. Oh, yes, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and they made a, someone said like a, an email or something about like not wearing like head wraps, not professional or whatever. So she spent like a good week or so doing all this cosplay and like wearing all these things. I think it's about choosing your battles and whether you're going to be a martyr or not because what's the worst case scenario right we already know what this what the worst case scenario is and we talk about this all the time when we say okay let's take it you know we should take it up with hr you should do Mm. this you should do that what if she gets fired lawsuit Simeon, nobody coming right out of college is out here I mean, looking like realistically. Sure, sure, but, but sure that is an option. That is not a that is not a real option for somebody coming out of college. To, to me, to me, all of this is because that like, costs money that she don't have. No, but like I, I think I think you're underestimating what the what a simple conversation with with HR is, which is like 
yo, I don't want to leave here. And it's it's not to get somebody in trouble. It's like, yo, or she can just go to the supervisor directly. It doesn't it doesn't matter. I think her not addressing it, like it it doesn't it doesn't do anything for the situation. Like for to to tell somebody, well, to me, to go to work for to complete the year or whatever for the next eight months, knowing that I have to change my appearance based off of a comment would piss me off every single day. And for some people, that affects the way that they work. It affects their productivity. Like you're looking at it from your standpoint where you can you can grin and bear. Other people can't grin and bear for eight months. But I guess it's it's all about it her tolerance. Okay. It, yeah. it, it all, it's it all about your tolerance. Your like tolerance. yo, if you can if you can grin and bear for eight months and do protective styles while you're like all right, cool, I'm looking for a new job, I'm, I'm going to get out of here, then do it. But if you're not the type of person to be able to grin and bear, because that is a skill, like mm-hmm. being able to grin and bear is a skill. So if you can't do that, then the next course of action should be, hey, supervisor, I was offended by that comment. You can either set it up with HR and go to HR and say, hey, I'm going to have this conversation. Or you could just go right directly to your supervisor and say, hey, I was offended by this comment. Like, I think that's fair. Because like, what's, I think that's fair. what's, what's proper? Like, the, the idea of proper, like, just in neat. Ge- was the neat. Word. Like, mm-hmm. that, that idea in general, like. That's even more offensive. Neat. neat. The opposite of, if you're saying my hair is not neat, you're yeah, saying like my he, hair is messy. Unkempt, <laughs> right? Unkempt so it's like dirty. So I think like oh God. The, soiled. Me, oh yeah. Jesus! To, to me, like, those, what, like we can what go is that? Where are we going with this? Yeah. You know. So like to me, those are the two options. Like if you can grin and bear, which is which is a skill set. It's also like I don't know how old she is, she's but if she's fresh out of college, she's fresh out of college. <laughs> she's graduated. Like, she graduated in May. You going she, to she, HR in October? Go the Ricky and Sonya school of <laughs> of of growing up. Because <laughs> you you have to learn how to grin and bear when you are raised by. For the record, Ricky and Sonya are my parents. <laughs> right? Like like when you when you when you are raised in like especially immigrant households or just in general like old school like beatings with the broom household like you need to learn how to grin and bear like mm-hmm. that is that is an an art. But, but you're it, dealing with a different this is a different generation. Yeah. I know it's it's like it's close in age, like we're all still early in our careers, but it's a different generation. So if you have not been raised to grin and bear, that is torture for eight months. So we'll leave that up to her. Yeah. I just I ain't gonna listen, I already gave folk advice earlier in the year to push back and you got surely got fired <laughs> before she even started her job. So I won't be the one saying go to HR. But it's all up to you. If you can grit and bear it, you should. If it's really gonna affect your productivity, then perhaps it's a conversation to be had with leadership. Yep. Okay. Let's dump it to uh dope shit for that week. Who wants to go? What you got, Karina? Oh, you're looking straight at me. Great. Well, so my dope shit is more season-based because it's fall and it's about to be winter, which means here in New York, no one's, it's hibernation season, right? Yes. Or cuffing season or for cuffing those season who are. Uh, humbug. <laughs> <laughs> but my dope shit goes to an Instagram profile called Well Read Black Girl. 
and it's all about books. And also, if you listen to um, the podcast Another Round, they did an episode, um, well, this airs in two weeks, so about a, a two weeks ago or so by the time you hear this, on multicultural writers and their suggestions and what they're reading. So if you want to pick up a book and you don't know what to read yet, you want to sit and just be in the heat or, you know, you don't want to go out and you're bored, I just because like you know you got the 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 you know the heat on. Oh, it's like inside uh. your house. I was like, but it's October. I mean, I know we had a little eighty degree day, but <laughs> it ain't gonna be like that forever. If you don't want to go out and you just want to read a book, you you know already watch all your shows on Netflix, Hulu, and all that. Pick you up a book, and I suggest The Mothers by Britt Bennett. I heard that's awesome, so you can start there. You know who a good. Uh, <laughs> Thing on books is Amory. What? Amory, like, the singer. Like the, the singer, singer? met Amory? Yeah, she does like a, a YouTube thing <laughs> of on books. Really? <laughs> no, I'm no. sorry. Yo, send me that link. I it's have it. I still listen to that album. It's called. No matter how humbug um, I feel about cuffing season, I still like. Why don't we fall in love? It's Bless called her little, books. Her books, self-heart. beauty, Amory. I don't. Know, I don't even know how I found this, but she like. Because you go- were looking at where did Amory go? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the rest of it. But she like goes through like apparently she's like this crazy avid book reader where she like reads. She's, she's she smart, was a nerd, or, you know. Yeah. yeah. Talk about there. being a nerd and, and a military brat and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I really liked her. Back she in reads day. like three hundred page books on on a flight. Nice. Yeah, she's Where great. is she flying to? <laughs> she's I mean, <laughs> meanwhile, I'd be like, <laughs> I struggle getting through briefs. <laughs> she's like, yeah, so I'm just going to finish reading this book on this flight. I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, um, I guess if... I need to check that out. I guess because doesn't... Is she still based in Korea? Because she had like a pop career no, in Korea. I think she's for, in D.C. or something. So if you're taking 12-hour flights to the States, I guess you could finish a 300-page <laughs> book. She likes all your favorite things, books and beauty supplies. So. She's... You're welcome. Uh, thank you. You're thank welcome. you. I need to take a note. Yes. <laughs> what you got, Kai? All right. Um, so for those of you that actually use LinkedIn for more than just updating your profile to get recruiters to start contacting you when you're ready to start looking for a new job, um, I've noticed that there's been some decent content um, as far as like original content directly from uh, LinkedIn, and I came upon this video slash write-up called Why Goldman Sachs is Encouraging Employees to Talk About Race at Work and Why, as a Black Woman, I Think This is So Important. And this video slash article came from Edith Cooper, who is the Global Head of Human Capital Management at Goldman Sachs. Um, I, it's a really short read, and it's a short video, so I'm not going to start quoting because then I'll give away the whole thing. But What I appreciated about Edith's um, commentary is that she just seems to be really honest and open about her experiences. And what she said is she opens up about her experiences being a black woman and being a woman and climbing the ladders in in corporate America in an effort to um, encourage other people to share their experiences as well. Not necessarily other people of color, but other um, people that are not of color so that, you know, now we are, you know, we have something in common that we're sharing, like we're sharing something. Mm-hmm. So it becomes more than just business so that you're able to see me as a human that has gone through things 
um, the same way you have. And while we may not have the same experiences, we both, you know, we've both climbed this corporate ladder. Um, she speaks a lot about how her, um, she talks about how, you know, her, the people she looked up to coming up in her career were um, people that I guess were active within the civil rights movement and that she kind of looked up to people that looked to push um, progressive ideas forward for women, people of color, fairness, equality, etc. Um, the videos are less than five minutes. Like this one was like three minutes. I think it's a good watch. Like if you happen to be in traffic and you know, no, nobody's police officer is looking at you while you're on your phone. I uh, suggest you watch it. No, you're on the train and you have no. service. I think you can watch it. Train, yes. Car, no. We I mean, I just, I don't believe that everybody is... Oh, you mean is not in, driving? They're in the back seat? No. I'm listening. Everybody's not in New York City and everybody doesn't yeah. have the luxury to be on the train the and like do things. Like, you gotta keep yourself... Listen, I, last time I was home, I drove back in Pennsylvania. I drove and I was sitting in traffic and I was so bored with my whole life. Like, it's different. Like, I just sit there and, like, singing to myself is cool, but then what? <laughs> like, like, then what? Then what am I doing? You can, you can put on a mixed company podcast and listen. Man, I'm on these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I am trying to say is in your, um, in your spare time, I do think it's cool to watch these. I like how organizations such as Facebook, well, I guess all of them, the social organizations such as Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn are um, putting value on um, sharing diverse experiences of their staff members with other employees. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it's in an effort to get people, um, um, uh, maybe adjusted isn't the word, because that sounds forced, but getting people comfortable with other viewpoints about work experiences and life experience experiences in an effort to make people more human. So shout out to Edith. Edith. Shout out to LinkedIn, with the exception for I did see <laughs> I did see another staffer in one of these in interviews. It seems like she referred to a niece or a family member as mulatto, which I really thought was hilarious uh. because I didn't know that mulatto was offensive to some people. But I know that we go through this yeah. thing yeah. since when? Um, since a while ago. Since when? Like they're not tragic anymore. Like. <laughs> I think it all depends on who you, who I think you, it depends on who who you, you talk to, to and where they're from. I, rhetoric rhetoric of people, like, like rhetoric about people of color changes like every 10 to 15 years. Well, so Well, overseas a lot. I think in like South Africa, they use it a lot. Do they still? I, th I think so. I don't think it, and I don't think it's offensive then, over there. Oh, okay. I think it's just I didn't know it was, problem. yeah, I don't, I didn't, I didn't realize that that yeah. was offensive. So that's not that, I mean, I would call my cousins <laughs> that are biracial, biracial, but I mean, apparently people still say mulatto, and when you still say it, it's offensive, and Twitter has dragged her all over the world for it, so. Mm. Wait, so I need to check that out, but it's a series, you said? Mm, let right. me see if there's a name for this series. It's literally something that just kind of came up. It looks like it's called Breaking Down Boundaries. Okay. I mean, Big Bang's getting into diversity and conclusion. You know what? I think it's funny. <laughs> I don't think Big Bang's are getting into it. I think Big Bang's have, um, or investment firms have actually, oh yeah, maybe not necessarily been at the forefront on purpose, mm -hmm. but a lot of the people that we talk about that we can't find in senior leadership here yeah. in advertising, that's where they jumped ship and mm -hmm. landed in a big pile of billion dollars of money. I, I hey, a, I have a theory. Don't quote me, but a lot of 
black people who once worked in advertising well not even that just who like came out of like the civil rights movement who got bank mail they work at financial institutions my theory is most people that leave like advertising go over to investment the investment side like their marketing sides um also don't quote me but per my experience (laughs) a lot of like goldman sachs um JP Morgan and Chase, they do a lot of recruiting at HBCUs. Yes. Well, yes. And they've been doing that. Like, I remember, yeah. I think they, I think Goldman, one of them sponsored like a whole bunch of students when I went to Howard from the School of Business. So, mm-hmm. just, just, they've been in, they've been, been in the game. <laughs> well, I mean, just, just in general, a lot of those big, well named companies, HP, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, They've been on a diversity kick for a very, very long time, and they have a lot of people. Not a lot, but they have a significant amount of people of color in high ranks. Well, I sound stand corrected over here. Well, it's just agencies who have an issue. Well, really. no, it's <laughs> not. Well, not just whatever. agencies, but they. Fin- finance yeah. seems to be doing like 10% better than we are. I'll yeah. say that. I, uh, At least from the looks of things. So. Cool, and then I'll do my dope thing, which is. Ava DuVernay's uh, I never ne- say her name right but I am I just want to be her when I grow up I think if I, I can't be right. Beyonce I would at least like to be <laughs> Ava DuVernay <laughs> so my dope thing is uh, Ava DuVernay's uh, Netflix documentary The 13th which is uh, a very provocative film that centers around race in the United States criminal justice system and uh, if you didn't gather by the name, it is titled after the 13th Amendment, which uh, in layman's terms got rid of slavery. But uh, as we've come to see, it's it was basically replaced with the jail system in this country. And it's a deep, it's a it well thought out deep dive into America's relationship with law and order. It It's actually really... It's, it's actually really um, dope because it it it, it breaks I, it down. But you know, I think the dopest thing the dopest thing about it was it looks like she just finished editing it like <laughs> four weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at stuff and I was like, but he just said right, oh, like okay. that. That was actually oh, the, okay. the, the craziest <laughs> part. About it. I was like, it was like she hit save. And then it was like upload to Netflix. <laughs> so, like, if you if you haven't watched it, I think it is worth watching. It is, it will help you understand uh, a lot of people's feelings about uh, the mm-hmm. criminal justice system in the United States. It will help you understand why a lot of people are looking at Hillary Clinton with the side eye. Um, it will help you look at pretty much like every president who. You know, it's it's, it's a like very it's a very honest recording. take. Yeah, yeah it's like, a totally honest take on and and in an easy way to digest history. It's not just recounting from your you know, it's not just recounting from your textbooks because for me there wasn't a lot in there that was new, but there was a lot that it was very simple to get to the point. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people like to use history to kind of like um, you know, like they want to make it seem like it's more difficult than it was. And the reality is. 13th Amendment was passed to quote-unquote free slaves, and then Mm -hmm. we celebrate Abraham Lincoln and all of this stuff, but nobody ever talks about the fact that there was a... (laughs) 
Except for I when got you, yeah. I gotcha, gotcha. Exactly. You, you know, except for if you're a prisoner, because then we're gonna do what you want and what that means for our economy and what that means for our education and what that means for how we view people of color and what that means for how we view people that are not of color and so on and so forth. Like it goes deeper than color, it goes to like the economics of it, which is why it, my perspective, especially since watching my perspective has grown stronger since watching the thirteenth that the issue of race in America, a lot of people that are not from here will come and they're like, oh, well, we don't have race issues like you guys have. You don't, but it's whatever issue that that mm. that moves your economy. Right. That is, if it's gender and women do don't do the kind of work you want them to do to make you money, then guess what? You're gonna live in a in a very heavily patriarchal society. If class is the issue uh, that pushes your economy forward, then class is going to be the issue. Here in the United States of America, color and brown people versus non-brown people has always been what, excuse me, has always been our class, our caste system. Right. Not even a class system. It's been a caste system Mm -hmm. that's helped propel our capitalism, essentially. Um, So it takes a deeper look. And honestly, I saw a whole lot of people posting about it on my Facebook feed that I haven't seen post anything necessarily about like race gender diversity people that like usually stay away from those topics have seen this and like felt compelled to share so if you have not done yourself the favor do it get your mama's netflix account or your bfs I just Never realized a lot of people ain't share. got time for that. On, they just y'all. they just want to share. We're in a sharing economy. Come on. I not just say that <laughs> economics is harder. Yeah. <laughs> no, I what I really like about that is um especially with the film is that it made me want to read <laughs> the constitution. Mm, I have no Good point. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't. Well, no, I, I think it's really no. I think it's very important that we, you know. Yes, we do. We, it's the supreme law of the land. But how many how many of us actually really know it, and how many of us think that it actually protects Who us? Stayed awake in civil class in eleventh grade. You can still you know, get your little civics class. That's what I it's mean. Called, right? Google is here. <laughs> but I, I mean, what I'm like, saying is like to right. be knowledgeable of what, what is going are. on, and you know, we're easily swayed. How many of us actually knew exactly what the Thirteenth Amendment said? I, well, Kai knew. <laughs> I didn't know, honestly. I think I think overall, and we were having this conversation before we got started with recording. I think a lot of people don't know a lot about government except for what we've been taught or what our parents have told us, and now we are basically in a. And I think this is the start of. A political revolution because mm-hmm. people are really looking at and we're going to get into this with our hot topic today people are really looking at this election and going wtf what is happening um people are really listening when bernie sanders was out and saying that basically like there needs to be a political revolution so um i think this film gives people an insider's look into why there needs to be not necessarily a complete overhaul of government, but definitely some drastic changes need to be made to the government. Agreed. Yeah, it brings forward the trickle down effect. I don't think <laughs> Trump, trumped up trickle down. <laughs> what was that? I was trying not trumped oh. up trickle down economics. <laughs> economics, whatever. But Sorry. you know, you. Th- I don't think you know. 
growing up, I don't, I don't think that my parents, they may have thought about the after effects, but not to the level that we need to think of it, of the choices that we're making and how does that affect in the future? I don't think people have thought that far in advance. And I think, I think now because we're all looking at it in, in hindsight, like we, we understand that little decisions and little laws have a, have a bigger impact. And I think that was one of the things that came out of this film was like these politicians and lawmakers who were making laws at that time, they weren't really innovative. They weren't really that, they weren't really that smart. They were good talkers and they were good campaigners and they were able to get votes. But the reality of the situation is they didn't look into the future and see exactly what this would um, what would come to fruition. And we have the modern day correctional facility. And not just that, but like we look at it every day and then I'll stop. <laughs> but we look at this every day. We talk about how like past generations were the okay, um, whatever you say boss generation, you know, where like you look at leadership and you allow leadership to be the ones to make the rules and you just kind of sit there, sit back and experience where our generation is more of the hands on. No, 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 no. I'm going to do my part because this has everything to do with me and my money and my family and my future we don't just kind of sit down and take it, you know? So I think what we're seeing, what we're feeling is the unease of allowing people that you don't necessarily agree with um, make decisions, and now we don't want them to do that anymore. So go Definitely. see it. Cool. So, and I think that's like a good transition into our hot topic, um, which is about politics. Uh, and this is a little different than most of our topics, but I think it's it's all relevant because it's it points at the state of America and the state of America is reflected in your agency in a very like yeah. yeah, like it's it is what it is. And so like in, in two thousand eight, like we basically were met with this when Obama was elected, like everyone kept saying this is a post-racial election like or post-racial america mm-hmm. because we've elected our first black president i think i said on the last podcast like i was just at home chilling drinking my hennessy um <laughs> like, a real thumb would. like a real g would and um so now here we are uh eight years later it's 2016 and i think it's safe to say that we can crumble up that sheet of paper that says post-racial america throw it in the trash and light it on fire because we are, America's true colors um, are on full display and no one can shut shut that down. Um, And I think it's the most polarizing, um, this is probably one of the most polarizing elections to date because Many people are experiencing a rise in general fear and anxiety about the present experiences and future existence, and many have referred to this as a Trump effect, um, because basically, like the whole country is fearful of <laughs> this dude getting they're into. Fearful of the dude, or they're fearful of the things that this dude is. They're 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 fearful of of both, but I think what's also fearful is that he's basically. It's it's not just him. Like he's not putting himself on the pedestal. There, 
he is putting himself <laughs> on the no but listen you can put yourself on the pedestal but only people can keep you on that pedestal True. and so what this election is showing is that there are a lot of people in the United States of America that like what Donald Trump is saying mm-hmm. these people don't just live in West Bubblefuck Florida uh, not looking at you, Karina. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> and they just don't live across the tracks in Texas. They don't live in the mount. Just don't live in the mountains of Minnesota. I don't know. I don't know where these. I was about to say the point is they're not. They're, they're, these people live next door to you. They live yeah. next door to you. They work like, with you. They, they, they work with you. Um, they take the subway with they you. They take the subway to <laughs> yeah. like this. Uh, to me to me this this election is is really uncovering um one of the characteristics of america and so today's discussion will will basically center on what we learned about this election cycle what changes we can expect post-election and how can we use this experience to encourage real change for diversity and inclusion and communication industries? I mean, I mean, it's like, here's the thing, right? Like this election, I've heard so many people like offline just be like, yo, like something feels different. Like, and when people are saying stuff like that, that's a culture shift. And the crazy thing, not crazy, it just feels crazy because it, it feels like we shouldn't be here because of the 08 post-racial America talk that happened for like a good year and a half before everyone said, nah, if this. Like, it should be a positive shift in what has actually happened. It feels like we're reverting, you know? Like we're reverting back to times that we read about and that we learned about in school. Like, I'd be feeling like I'm living my history books. I thought about that, but I also think it's now real opinion, real people's opinions coming to light. Like, we know that there are people who think like this, but we, at, to Sim's point, like, you would think, oh, they live in, you know, the boonies. They li- probably are from Florida, even though I'm from Florida. <laughs> you know, you didn't think they could be someone you talk with every day that has this viewpoint. And, you know, I was, I was on the infamous Facebook on my timeline, and someone was saying, you know, I don't mean to say this, but I'm kind of grateful that Trump is saying these things so I can see who thinks like this. And there are people who surprise themselves that they did, not, that they did agree with him on certain things, that they did think, oh, you know, maybe we should build a wall, or, um, well, let's be forgiving about what Trump says about women, and, you know, there's locker room talk and, and things like that. You know, it thinks these things are coming to the forefront in a closer and more intimate level than just saying, I'm going to vote for Obama, I'm going to vote for McCain. This is more like, if you choose this person, do we even talk about Mitt Romney anymore? Does he even exist? He pops up. Oh, Mitt. No, he, he makes a news sometimes. The omitted Mitt from history. Omitted Mitt. 
But I'm saying is like, if someone happens to find out that you voted for Trump, or someone happens to find out that you voted for Hillary, there's a moral distinction mm-hmm. or connotation that people are going to tie to you. Well, I, I think I think overall in general, his type of rhetoric, I think people thought was dead. They thought it was it was old America. They like because here's the thing, and and I've, this has been my personal theory for years. Um, when you look back at the civil rights movement, um, these people are still alive. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Angela Davis is still here. Oh yeah, uh, Asada Shakur is still here. Like these people are are living and breathing. So mm-hmm. the same people that they were fighting against have to be living and are living and breathing. Right. These are people who were spitting in people's faces, mm-hmm. sicking dogs on them, turning fire hoses on them, pouring milkshakes on people's heads if they sat at counters. Like all of these people are still here and they procreated. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> like they like they, they made babies and they taught their babies these things and I think what's been acceptable for the last 20 or 30 years has been to code your language. Mm-hmm. Like to say it in a really respectable way is that nobody's a nigger anymore. Like you can say things like super predator. <laughs> no, well super predator or 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 you know those people they just don't know how to act or whatever the case mm-hmm. is like it's it's all been coded. Mm-hmm. What Trump has done is he has given license to these people who have been coding their language for so long to say, you don't really need to code it anymore mm-hmm. because we're going to make America great again. And when you talk about America being great, great again, again, and you think about what history a, has shown what, us, mm-hmm. but, but when, you, when you talk about a certain type of people, the people who show up at Trump rallies, when they talk about the good old days and the white picket fences and the pre-drug war era, that's when segregation was legal. Mm-hmm. That's when it was not allowed for you to share the same pools as people of color. You can tell people of color to, to get up out of seat. I want to sit down. Mm-hmm. Everything that was discriminatory was legal. I guess what I'm most surprised about is that people are so surprised that that I, this is like I'm not thing. surprised I'm, I wasn't surprised I felt what I did feel was that the sentiment uh, or the people that um, championed for this post-racial society would be the people to speak out against him like obviously there are like I, I tell you guys all the time like I grew up in suburban Pennsylvania where you would think like <laughs> Shoot, if you ask half the people I went to high school with, or even my brother, like, does just does racial equality or gender equa- inequality exist? No, that doesn't exist. Except every a majority of my experiences growing up were like, oh, well, I can't talk to you because you're bl- or because you're black, or you're cool, you're pretty, but you're a black girl, so I can't da 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 da. Or I can do, you know, like that's just what men do. Like if mm-hmm. if we want to run a train, we just gonna run a train. Like Lord you know, Jesus. like that. <laughs> those are things that like I heard growing up. So like yeah, I knew it existed, but I thought that there was a more I don't know premium type of people or <laughs> like there were people with sense that you know with a whole bunch all these people that I see going to college every year that somebody would have graduated and be like no 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 bro we got we got to change like 
I thought there would be more people to speak out against it as opposed to more people joining with it. And I think what that changed into was people became comfortable hearing it. Let's not forget that Donald Trump is still the same man that to date, even though DNA testing proved his ass wrong, to date still accuses the quote unquote Central Park Five of raping, savagely raping a woman in Central Park. A, a, a white woman in Central Park, and these ki- these were kids. They also talk about that in Thirteenth, <laughs> but like these kids were like under eighteen, and you sent them to prison for just about half their life. Like they literally missed their life. And, right. and as uh, knowing what your adolescence means to you, and 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 growing up, and knowing what it means to graduate high school and or, and go to college or start working, and and what it means to be a twenty-one year old and have your first drink. They missed all of that. Because. Because this man took out a full-page ad basically condemning them to guilt in the, in the public eye through media, through this same media that he condemns. He condemned five, condemned five young men and teenagers to a life of hell. I don't even... Hell. Of hell. Literally. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, I was just surprised that so many people were surprised and more people didn't stand up against it. I think we all kind of thought, oh, well, it's Donald Trump. Nah, he runs every year. I feel like this man been running since 1996. Well, I think <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, he was just going to bow out like he always does and just be bitter. And it just kept getting bigger. Every time you thought he would shoot himself in the foot, he just got bigger. Well, uh, snowballs. Like a mutant. But I, th- I think... He is like a mutant. A mutant. He's a mutant with a 2K. I think the Ooh. reason... The reason... <laughs> the reason why... Why it got bigger this time is because people of color have gotten louder. They've this this. I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's why I whispered it. We're not all here. We're not always loud. Just me. So, but the, but the the reason is people of color have gotten louder about their demands, and when you start talking about equality. What that means is for people who are known to oppress have been the oppressor here equality, they think about all the things that they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this is this is rhetoric that has been proven where you have old girl from the Texas University talking about affirmative action and the fact that affirmative action is the reason that um, she wasn't allowed. She wasn't admitted into the University of Texas. Abby. I, yeah, Abby. So, uh, I mean, but so that's what, a larger story. No, it's but it's all related. Yeah, I'm about it's to all say, related I feel like that's because you're, a part you're, of it. you're you're talking about equality. You talk about these media like mediocrity. People trying to apologize for the right. mediocrity, and you because need something to blame. You have, you have to understand, like when you when you talk about equality, that means someone else has more. Right, and but that's all. There's. But with that, there are people who orchestrate to challenge equality. Right, but that's and, and that's what I'm saying. Like this, what what has happened in the last couple of years? What's what started with this this and we talked about it on the last episode, which is like this new modern civil rights movement. It's it's basically the equivalent of what happened in the 50s and the 60s mm-hmm. and the 70s, <laughs> where black people were saying we want our human rights we want our civil rights and it provoked white people to basically take their oppression to the next level so like 
you want to be able to sit at the same counter as us, we're going to throw this milkshake on your head. You want to swim in our pools, we're going to empty the pool out. You want to live in our neighborhoods, we're going to move out. When they hear equality, what they hear is you are taking away something that I have. Because for you to get it, I have to give up something. Yeah, I think I, th- I feel like a lot of people are getting that also. Um, and I guess we're getting into the second question, which is like, what are some truths related to diversity that have been exposed on both the conservative and liberal sides? I will say, I'll say this. I think that's a great point. Um, another thing outside of just the racial disparity is the general disrespect period we have in our society for women. So I don't care what anybody says, quite frankly, I think the reason that this election has gotten so dirty and so nasty has a lot to do with the fact that there is a woman involved. I think there are certain low blows that people have always felt that they can take at women. For example, a lot of people, and you, you, we've said that, you've said this in conversation uh, even prior to us recording today, but a lot of people talk about how you know, Hillary Clinton, she's so rehearsed and she just seems so inauthentic and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, she didn't always seem so rehearsed and she didn't always seem so inauthentic but when she was being authentic, we did what? We talked about how old she looked. We talked about how her legs were ugly. We talked about how, oh, she's just saying what her husband said. Not we. But a it was large said. So a lot of people were saying these things. It's like, once you get to the point where people have literally like, and don't get me wrong, she ain't perfect. I'm very clear and aware that she is as imperfect as any other politician would come. Let's be clear. Because they all, then there's no such thing as a perfect politician. A politician is a natural born liar. When you go down that track, you're either going to be a lawyer or a politician. You are born and trained to lie. Okay? This is legal lying. So I'm not going to take that away from the conversation, but I do think that we've been, that as a society, we have been very hard or, or quick to rush and judge her harshly. I also think that once we started, because it wasn't just Donald Trump, the media in general and people, well, I don't know if I want her to run the country because she couldn't even keep her, ma- her marriage together. Like, I've, I don't remember in my lifetime, I'm not that old, I'm certainly not Simeon's age over 30. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have to throw it out there. Just but like in my lifetime, I don't remember people bring, digging up dirt on politicians' wives or candidates' wives about things that their wives have done in the past. I don't even really remember them, with the exception for well, the, the, the dude wife. from New York, the... What was his name? Who keeps getting in, tr- in trouble for them sexting uh, scandals? Yeah, I mean his name is Weiner, so maybe like he just doesn't get <laughs> it. But like even even Anthony Weiner is allowed to come back and try to run again for other positions where I feel like we she's been judged extremely harshly, and she ain't no punk. No, quite frankly, she's, so she's not gonna sling mud right back, and therefore because she's not just going to take grit and bear it or just take it. I feel like a lot that has a lot to do with how it's why it's become so ugly, mm. and clearly with the last few weeks of uh, 
it now coming to light that well, I don't know why where everybody else was when everybody else was when all these women uh, in the past have been claiming sexual harassment towards Donald Trump. But now that he likes to grab women by now we know he likes to grab women by their crotch and brag about it. Like, I'm like, you know, like he's always been a and, 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 and then women come to the defense, like, well, he's a man. Yeah. And like, I mean, can my brother walk up to you, madam, and grab your crotch and will you just dismiss it as he's a man? Well people have been know, so forgiving. Well the re- the reality of the situation is re- whether it's this, what he said, or it's rape. Or it's equal pay, <laughs> or it's a woman running for president. Don't be, don't sound so boring. Don't sound so bored. Well, I'm about to make a point, which is a lot of women, not a lot, but some women make it hard for all women, and that's just the reality. That's just that's just the no. It's, it's no, it's, it's reality. It's reality. I mean, I just had something like, funny because. In my head. For for a lot of the standards, misogynistic standards that are women are misogynist as well. Women can be right. misogynist. For 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 a lot of these standards and and ideals to be upheld for as many decades and centuries as as they've been upheld for, some women have to contribute to them being legit, and women do. I saw again on. Again on El Fase book. Um, I saw a woman's post today, and then I clicked to go deeper onto her page. It looks like she's a micro-influencer of sorts. Um, and she was basically saying that she doesn't raise her daughters to work because working is for men. She doesn't allow her daughters to play sports because women are to be protected and you can't be protected if you're doing things that boys do and that the uh i guess the deconstruction of of the black family or the families families in general comes from women trying to be too independent and that her marriage is successful because um, she lets her man work and handle all the things outside of the home and therefore she can handle all the things in the home so sh- that she's available to him when he comes home from work to offer him sex up to uh, 10 plus times a month. <laughs> Child, this is real. I had to reread it. And then I looked in the, and then I looked at, yeah, and then I had to look in the comments and girl and women were really asking like, are, like, like for real? Like I need, just need details, like a plan. Like, can you just give me like your day-to-day schedule? Um, women are misogynists and, and, we like to say, that's why, like, I'm a big one, like, feminism is not just for women, feminism is for anyone that believes that women should be equal, you know what I'm saying? So, here we are, of course he's going to have an Amorosa on his back. Amorosa been there from the jump when he was exploiting people and allowing her to, like, run the world in the most malicious way possible, you know? Of course he's going to have these women talking about, well, I don't like using the P word in front of my kids, but if he wants to use the P word amongst, what are we doing? If he wants to say pussy on a bus <laughs> with Billy Bush, then it's totally fine because that's just what men do. And it's like, to Simeon's point, you're making it, you, you may not agree with me wanting to have my freedom, but you're making it really hard right. for me to be able to advance the way I'd like to. So you get to advance on your level because you feel that this is okay for you but you're not even gonna let me be me right to that point like the, when you talk about the truths related to diversity and how it points back to this industry i think those those sentiments that marginalized people make 
that support the injustices like they happen in in, the, in our industry too like i said on the last episode like the dude who basically was like how would it look if i hire a bunch of black dudes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the the other <laughs> you can't be out here hiring right like, like, <laughs> like the other people you gotta who, sneak them in. like and, and <laughs> other people who who basically try to uphold these standards whether it's telling a woman of color with natural hair that your hair needs to be neater or you're telling uh like you you police how people of color dress but you don't police how the white kids dress like all of these these things that are happening in the in politics right now are pointing back to what happens on a day-to-day in our industry they may not happen as blatantly as they're happening on the political stage right now, but but they are happening. I just want to like talk about this this dude. Um, there's this article that came out. I was wondering why you didn't do that as your dope shit. The drum. Yeah. Uh, because I was going to talk it? about it now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Then. So the article that came out in the drum that's by Derek Walker, who is the owner of. I want to make sure I get this agency right. He is the owner of a small agency in Columbia, South Carolina called Brown and Browner. And <laughs> if you haven't guessed from what the name of his agency is, he is a black man. Um, and surprisingly enough, like I, I can't remember the exact con- I, I've had a conversation with him online, LinkedIn back in the day when I actually used to use it. Um, but the name of the article is, it's not me. It's you. The advertising industry needs to face its diversity problems and stop blaming others. And he basically goes through a list of actual, he starts off this article with a list of actual quotes that have been said to him during his career in advertising. Uh, The first quote is, I'm just going to go through them really quickly. Uh, His last interview for a creative director position ended with, I don't want to lie to you, but management didn't know you were black and they are unwilling to pay it back. A pay a black man this much. Uh, next quote. Um, I'm sorry, Derek, but I don't think our clients are ready for a black copywriter interview over. Uh, next quote from the group creative director on the first day of work. I told them that I don't believe a black man can write copy and I'm going to prove it. Next quote. Uh, you don't know. Uh, you do know if you were white, I'd be working for you. Management has told me that I can't that I can give you a raise, but as long as you're black, you can never be promoted. What? Uh, next quote. <laughs> uh, I don't care how talented you are, how creative or how smart. If you don't have the luck, you will not be allowed in front of the client. Sounds like that's related yeah. to a girl with the neat hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds pretty close. Um, wow. And his final quote is... Um, and this is after he started uh, his agency in South Carolina. You know what you need to do is, you know what you need to do to grow your shop? Hire a white guy or even better, a pretty blonde white woman and make him or her the face of your agency and the business will come. You have the talent and experience, you just need a white face. Wow. So I think like when we talk about this election mm-hmm. and the bold face discrimination and uh, racism and prejudice that is happening it's a direct reflection of everything that we talk about 
on this podcast. Like everything that we're we're trying to vent to create solutions for or create a conversation that, that leads to solutions. It's it's basically a reflection of everything that's happening in this election. Like these people aren't isolated. They have family members who believe what they believe. Believe it or not, there are people at your agency who are going to vote for Trump. Yep. Whether you they like talk it about it publicly or not. I was sitting at work today listening to uh, two women talk about how their parents are voting for Trump and how they're trying to talk them out of voting for Trump. Like people that you know are voting for Trump for whatever reason. They may not believe that he is racist or, I mean, he he literally just kissed a little black girl on the cheek today. Oh no, no, no. She was trying to die mad. She was trying to die No, she didn't. She was really happy. She was a little girl. She was like she was five, really six happy. years old. Who her let parents, their baby do that? Her parents brought her to a Trump yes, rally. Yeah. And so, like, whether, whether or not what she, they believe that he's racist or he's misogynistic, people that you know are going to vote for him so in some way shape or form they see what he does as acceptable i just think that this is challenging the status quo and and when you think when i think about like making america great again and and all these things that are coming into light you're challenging the status even even um i was talking to kai on separately when i was telling her story when someone shared with me that and i think you guys mentioned in the last episode that inviting a lot of, uh, well, an HR person expressed to me that they were having issues where they had to trickle in black creatives because if they just opened the floodgates, people would wonder what's happening, what's going on. And I think that's another way of challenging the status, challenging that social, that, uh, that popular opinion that you have to have neat hair. What is neat hair? What is that definition? Defining out what is what makes America great again. What what makes me comfortable and safe that doesn't challenge my surroundings, therefore won't challenge my meaning of living. Sure. And I think we try to do that now with women coming into the in industry and men are like, well, you know, I don't know how to feel about this, <laughs> or even hearing the comments from the article you just said. Some like it's these are challenges to what is comfortable, what has been usual, and it's making people feel uncomfortable. Therefore, challenging their own personal beliefs. Oh man, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think um, I feel like what I'm experiencing or what we're seeing is just. For the first time in a long time, people are just being really honest with themselves. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> and you know, I wasn't going to say I like it, but I'm going to say that it it makes me feel more comfortable that this is the experience that we're having. Because I think a lot of people were really faking liking people. Oh, yeah. And then when you start to code it, like, well, we don't want to, you know, we don't necessarily, we don't want to offend anybody. Like... Here's the, here's the thing, right? We talk a lot, uh, we hear in the election a lot of talk from the conservative side, like, we, sh we shouldn't have to be forced to be politically correct. And for whatever reason, people feel that being politically correct, excuse me, means being polite. I personally don't subscribe to that. I can, I can say the right words to you um, and still get my point across. I can say words that you're generally comfortable with and still get my point across. That, to me, isn't like lying. Um, you can say that you don't care for a person, 
without saying we got to get rid of these Mexicans. <laughs> Don't you don't have to. You don't have to call a whole. You know what I'm saying? Like that to me was like the greatest. Like we don't. We don't. We don't need. We don't need to be politically correct to talk about this. You know because the Mexicans are coming in. Like, but it has nothing to do with Mexicans. Like, right. it has right. nothing to do with with immigrants. Your fear for jobs has nothing to do with people that don't look like you or aren't from aren't from where you're from. You know what I'm saying? That is a front for something else. Right. The political correcting it to say is, you know, I really just don't like being around people that don't look like me or share my culture. That would be politically correct. Not, I mean, yeah, you know, you know, Mexicans and Muslims are cool. Like, is like Muslim isn't even a race, but like you're afraid in in the country that quote unquote, if you read the right uh, textbook, in a country that is based on on or or was formed on the principles of religious freedom, like, you, by religious freedom, we just mean the ones that, you know, surround, that circulate on uh, Christianity. Christianity, Jesus Christ, just those ones, <laughs> you know? People don't understand the difference between being polite and being politically correct. So what we've been, what, what has been said is, well, we just don't wanna be politically correct anymore. We just wanna say what's on our minds. Well, well what you said was some bullshit. Right. What you're saying, it, what you're saying is really dumb, and that's fine. You could say it, but like, I just feel like, on one end, we're challenging the status quo for good, and on the other end, the pushback is they're challenging the status quo because now all these people that have felt a way that that still believe that all black people live in inner cities and not inner cities like the the high sky the high rises in New York City, but they they're thinking the the slums of you know, south, wherever, the same people that think um, that women are, should, are just sexual objects for whomever wants to play with them first, the same people that feel that anybody that's not from this hemisphere is a, temp is a terrorist unless you're from Europe and then you're just like us so it doesn't count, and the same people that feel anybody that's below the United States border is just coming to take jobs as if they're out here just bearing arms and walking into CEO suites and taking over desks <laughs> and shit. Those people are also challenging status quo with ignorance. Right. They have no basis and, and, they're, and they feel, well, it's my duty to speak my piece. Mm, I wouldn't say it's your duty, but sure, it's your right to sound like an asshole. I, I, think, I think you hit on, you hit on a good point because in a lot of what you're talking about is because they're, I think these people believe because you're not saying nigger mm -hmm. like they're they're not racist but it's it's really pointing to their prejudices and just want to go back to this article really quick um because Derek walker like this this is somebody with over 20 years 20 plus years of experience in advertising um he has this one portion of this article that is really that really hits home which is he says uh actually the advertising industry has to put on its big boys and big girl panties and face the glaring truth that the racial diversity issue has little to do with the awareness or availability of qualified talent and everything to do with prejudice and racism inside advertising. Yes, I'm calling a lot of people in advertising either prejudiced or racist. I believe I firmly believe it is a prejudice issue more than a racist thing. Please, the two terms are not the same. Before you pull out the pitchforks and torches, allow me to explain the difference. Mm -hmm. And then he uh, he uh, defines he uses Webster's to define the two, which I think is a really 
good thing. You know, I like to go back to the dictionary right. whenever we have and so go back to the source. For go back to the source. And, and Webster, I, Webster. And, and I think I think a lot of people they don't go to the source. Like it's, it's Webster like, knows all the things. Miriam, I don't know Webster. <laughs> well, on point. I mean. Mm. So for prejudice, it's the preconceived judgment or opinion, an adverse opinion or leaning form or leaning form without just grounds or before is sufficient knowledge. Racism. I believe that race is a primary determinant of human traits and cap and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent su superiority of a particular race. I think pretty much that like sums up what you're saying is like all these people who have these prejudices, whether it's against Mexicans or it's against uh, blacks in the inner cities or it's against Muslims, like they're using their prejudices to propel their affinity for Trump because he is he is speaking to all of their prejudices because he has his prejudices mm -hmm. that aren't based on facts. They're based on preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, yeah, I, I, yeah. There, I mean, there's nothing to add on to that. That's just what the hell it got me <laughs> on that um, has this expect ex affected anybody's experience like at work, whether it's on the client side or creative side? And not necessarily that you've experienced things, but like your perspective even. No, I feel like what what I just quoted from Derek was, was that. It's mm -hmm. that what we're dealing with in advertising or communications, it's it's definitely leading heavy heavily on people's prejudices, whether they're clients or they're your bosses or they're the recruiting manager or whoever, whoever's in charge of diversity and inclusion or, or you know, employees, um, their prejudices are affecting the diversity and inclusion outcome. Mm -hmm. Like they're, whether, like all those quotes that um, Derek, had in his article and I mean like we've been dropping quotes on this podcast since the first episode like we've hear things and we experience things that aren't right mm -hmm. and we know that they we're experiencing these things because people have preconceived notions about who we should be as black employees mm -hmm. what we're capable of what we bring to the table and whether they doubt it or they're bringing in what they learned in a rap video, who knows? Mm -hmm. Like, it's affecting how they're treating people of color. I think for me, um, all of this, like this social shift that we're feeling, clearly this election, um, it's made me more vocal, and yes, it comes with a, a humorous side, but like, I almost feel the need to like, either call people out, not call people out, like per se, like, ah, you, you out here being prejudiced and you out here acting like Trump, but like in a way it's made me really want to like address situations when I'm in them. If somebody says something that I feel is unfair or when we are making light of <laughs> the debates and commentary within the debates, like I, I don't want, I don't, I guess I don't want people to feel like this is a light issue anymore. I feel like we've been playing with, discrimination and lack of diversity and racism and prejudice and all of that as if it's something for play play like it's a friggin care bear all this time like this has always been something cute and funny to talk about when in reality like 
words do hurt. Words can literally turn an election into what it is today. Words can change policy. And if, if you're not, say what the hell you want to say, but be clear that it's going to either demand a response, either negative or positive. For example, um, it's really, it was a really minor situation, but like I felt in that moment it was really important to address. I was in a meeting and um, the way I was introduced is, was um, she thinks she's the boss. The thing about that is I'm sure, I'm sure the intent was not to say, was not to be malicious. However, those words that you're saying in 2016 post Sheryl Sandberg lean in post a couple days after a, a debate um, and, and a long time into knowing me will come across to somebody as if you're trying to say that for some reason it's not okay for me to feel strongly about my work. Like, Am, am I is it am I really that aggressive? Like, am I so overly aggressive that it's affecting work? Is that really how you feel? And if a man is being is acting like a boss, doesn't that even joke. sound? Is, doesn't that even sound sexier? Like, you know, like oh, you'd probably say he is the boss, as opposed to he thinks he's the boss. You know what I'm saying? And in that moment, like it was very lighthearted. Like, hey, I really didn't like that. I really just don't want that to be the way you address me moving forward. I get it. It's a joke. Let's not have that joke anymore. Because the perception that you're giving, whether you realize it or not, is not that I'm a person of, of leadership. It's more of she's a naggy, whiny, whatever else other words you want to put behind it. There's no positive... Um, connotation to a woman being bossy in the office. And it bothered you. It absolutely and you had bothered to address me. it. But I don't necessarily know if I would have uh, would have addressed it like a year ago or two years ago. I might I have wrote it off as a joke. Oh. I might have wrote it off as a joke because that is something that most people would say as a joke. But now in the environment that we're in, I'm like, mm, since we're cool, let's address this now so that we're clear on where I stand, where we stand, where you stand, and how you should probably stand with other women as you move forward and having conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's important to have these conversations at work. I think I have found that my clients that I work with themselves are de demanding more um, diversity, and maybe not necessarily because they want to see it, but that they recognize that their consumers want to see more diversity. I went into a meeting uh, with another client and the client was like, this is nice, but there's just a lot of white men on this page. <laughs> and even I had to look like, dang, why didn't I see that? Like, you know, like, why, why wasn't I the person to call that out? So to, to that point, it's really funny, uh, not at this agency, but at this other agency that I worked at, um, there was a point where we were doing a deck and I kept like trying to like slide little black people into the deck and <laughs> they kept pulling the black people out of the deck and then we got into the client presentation and the client was like this deck is really really white I want to see some black people somebody else has got to be in this deck besides a bunch of white people so like the clients again and I think we, and we talked about it earlier where you have like all these big major um, clients who internally 
they've been hiring diverse candidates for years, whether it's been on it's pro it's probably been on purpose, but like whether and if it's, it is good because good. they've been asking for you to do it on purpose, right? So it's like on on the client side, like they've been I don't want to say they're getting it right every single time, but they internally they are asking for diversity in the last couple of weeks. We, couple of weeks we've seen more clients seen lot, yeah. stepping up to the plate and making it public that they are asking for more diversity they realize that not all their consumers are white well I think they've always known that but I, 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 I think people are being called to the plate well companies and organizations are being called to the plate and in, in an election cycle that's so polarizing where people are literally pulling their money out of uh, scenarios where their character is being um, put on blast by or they're getting by, fired by bigots essentially but, nobody wants to be associated with that right but I think it's it's also it's from a money under, I, I think it, it, I think it is from money standpoint because they the research is showing like black women are the most educated right group in this country which means the black buying power has increased and it will continue to increase and when they start looking at statistics a lot of people of color want to see people that look that like them, look like right. them that share their a lot of women ethnic want to see women right. people that look like them also yeah and it's not just sharing sharing the ethnic background when you look at shows like insecure it's also about being able to Molly, relate Molly, Molly. to you on a deeper level that you can't you you can't do unless you know you about it you know about it yeah. you get the nuances on that note like do, what do you what do you guys feel like after all after all is said and done like how we can use this election and this experience to elevate the dni conversation and dni for diversity and inclusion i think this is going to be the best case study for what happens when you allow other people to speak for you. You know, I think, here's the thing. One of the things that, we, that we've always talked about in um, these DNI conversations is the argument that, uh, that some people don't understand why diversity matters. And I think over the last, what, 18 months, almost 24 months, I don't know, <laughs> this election cycle, <laughs> funny enough, Donald Trump has been speaking on behalf of the Republican Party. He's been their representative. Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> or they like it or not. This man and his team have been crafting a campaign about what Republicans feel and what Republicans value and how they view America and how they want America to change. And we are literally seeing people like just falling over and dying of, of, of from being horrified because they don't agree with him. He's not speaking for them. And I think the conversation about diversity and inclusion is what we're saying is you in in a industry in industries where creativity is key and nuance is key and where you have to craft a perspective of a certain group of people look what can happen when you have the wrong people crafting your perspective to sell to other right. people not on, like this is literally the worst case scenario if Donald Trump and his machine of people were an agency creating a campaign for a, 
a client of conservatives who wanted we want to get we want to show people why they need to vote for us but give us are. a campaign and they do and this is what they put up like this is the best example of how shit goes really wrong when you have the wrong people in the room or when you don't have the right people in the room to speak on your behalf it also shows how weak we really are yeah. there's are so many um there were so many conversations we've had since we've started about people like whichever the guy was uh, what was his name there's whichever ceo or, or c-suite executive um, at Sachi Sachi, where he was like, I don't understand. Like, women have already gotten, like, what more do women want? They, they're already, diversity isn't an issue anymore. Like, right. and we're literally every day seeing another story come out about negativity. Yes, it's in politics, but it also spreads through other areas in our society. But negativity towards people of color negativity towards women negativity negativity towards um people in general like everybody's an Id people with disabilities like everybody's an idiot to him you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like you're just being negative to everybody if they if they don't look like you smell like you walk like you they just clearly ain't shit and this election to me has done nothing but show like guys this is what we've been fighting for all along this is what we're trying to pivot against. This is why diversity and specifically the inclusion piece is important. Because when you don't have it, that's the shit that can actually happen. Yeah. Like it did. Like it is. It's, yeah. I agree. I don't know. I think in my current office space, it's uncool. <laughs> I haven't heard, I had the last person who I suspected of being a Trump supporter got fired. Mm. So it's a lawsuit <laughs> waiting to happen. But not not in the sense of they're voting for Trump. I'm saying sharing the same ideals oh. and, and their responses. I'm like, you might be a Trump supporter. <laughs> I see it in your future type of thing. They're they're not with the agency anymore. But I do hear people try to make political jokes sometimes and and in the sense that you know they're not voting for Trump or Trump's an idiot and why would this ever happen? But you make a great point that like this is what happens when you have wrong people from things snowball. People there are people who are going to agree. You know, it can it can get bad. It can worst case scenario can happen. Shut Even when there's smart people around. If you have a whole bunch of smart people that aren't helping to make smart decisions, what happens? Stupid right. decisions. Stupid, <laughs> stupid decisions happen. Right. Dumb comments happen. Like, you know, all of the blacks in the inner cities. Like, child, I grew up in the dead on the suburbs. I mean, I spent my summers out here, but my address was 306 Jacqueline Drive for a long time in a cul-de-sac. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's scary, and a lot of people are talking about how scary it is, and I know there are a lot of people that uh, um, feel, you know, well, he can't be president, but it doesn't matter if he's president. He's come this far. Yeah. Right. His voice has been heard in a way that nobody else's voice has been heard in a long time. I think his voice has even be, been, heard as, been heard. I think his voice has been heard in a way that, um, in the same way but on a negative side, the way Obama's voice was heard in 08. Like the rallying call, and all of a sudden there's this this influx of new people voting or people that haven't voted in a while that want to turn out. Like, this is what happens when you have the wrong people representing you, and that's the goes for the same things that we talk about within advertising. Right, because the wrong people are at the 
the driver's seat yep. when it comes to hiring and firing and promotions and all campaigns that campaigns and campaigns and all that jazz. Like, it, so we like to always end with like final thoughts and solutions and things of that nature. Like, what do you? I guess politi- I don't know if we want political solutions or well, what are the I next mean, steps? Next steps. Like, in general, like if we're talking about this election, I'm guessing if you are listening to this podcast, you probably do not want Trump to be elected president. Or you do, you never know. You never know. I'm not voting for Trump, but I'm saying, you know. (laughs) You know, I I think I don't. I don't really have next steps, but I I will say this: at my agency, they are um, working. Work is starting at 11:30 that day because they want everyone to go out and vote. So, shout out to (laughs) y'all. I don't. Are you gonna go vote? You can of do course. early. Oh, okay, I was like, are you? Well, you're to- totally gonna sleep in, but. Nah, I'm probably gonna wake up, go to the gym around six, go vote, and then go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, vote. I mean, I think even though this election has been depressing, you shouldn't. St- it gets me really annoyed when I hear someone say like, "I'm not gonna vote," and it's like. What? <laughs> the way that it reads to me, it's like you're okay with any with either outcome. And even if you are, which is ver- depressing in itself, I still think you need to vote. Like there's been so much you think about like I think about this whole past year and I guess like becoming woke, I guess. Um, um you woke up? I get come on and just be woke Anyway. But like, I thought about it last night, and I thought about this morning, and by the time you listen to this podcast, podcast, I was listening to a radio show, and and one of the interviewers were like, well, I don't know if we're going to vote. And he's like, what do you mean you don't know if you're going to vote? And I'm like, you know, we talk about people who were in the civil rights movement, they're still alive. We talk about even before the people have died and gone through so much shit for even especially for black, black people, people in this country to even read. And, and you're not, you're not gonna, gonna vote. So, so to, to me, it ties back to what I said earlier. Like, you're, you're okay, like, you're okay, okay with, with any outcome. outcome. So you really, so you don't, really need don't need to have a political opinion. opinion. So all so I'm saying, saying is, you need to vote. If you hear if someone, someone who's not who's voting, and you want to spend the time to hear the reason why they're not voting, or whatever, however high you want to spend your time. But at the end of the day, if you have, you have a political stand, you have, have a political opinion, you need to represent, to represent yourself, whether, whether you think it's going to, no matter, no matter how, much how much percentage you put in the county in the next election. I mean, I came out here in Florida, so, so. okay. okay. <laughs> um, um, but but <laughs> let, let, your, let, your, let your voice, <laughs> voice be heard. heard. And vote. Oh, are, are you registered up here or are you mailing? Oh, I'm early. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm mailing. You mailed it? Oh, good. Um, um. When I wake up in the morning, I like to scroll through Instagram to see the <laughs> inspirational quotes that people like to post before dawn. Um, but I, I saw a really, a really interesting one the other day. I'm gonna paraphrase because I can't find it anywhere. But it was, it said, um, some people that talk about wanting equality just want to, just want to continue oppression on their own terms. 
<laughs> That's pretty great. And after it touched me in a way that I haven't been touched in a while. <laughs> I wiped the I wiped the sleep out of my eye, and I actually really thought about it. And, I, and it to me, like it resonated very much. So it's like, what's going on with this conversation about diversity and inclusion, and um, and um, the election to everybody's point, like there are a lot of people out there that just feel like, man, it don't matter, I'm, I'm not gonna vote, or I'm not, I don't wanna participate because yada, yada, yada. The reality is, and I saw somebody else talk about the difference between equality and equity. If you, what we need to do, like our next step should be activation, whatever that means for you. For some people it's marching, for some of us it's podcasting, for other people it's blogging, creating movies, documentaries, um, I think Michael Moore just put out a new documentary. Like, it's really important for us to activate to make change, not to flip things on its head, not to be spiteful, right? We, we're not just trying to come around and like, oh, we're gonna make the white man a slave. Like, like that's not necess- That's not what we want. That's that shouldn't be what we want. So I, I want people to be as positive as possible. Um, by all means, I'm not a non, you know, I probably wouldn't have been a nonviolent protester back in the day, but I do believe that it is gonna be really important for us to make smart decisions um, and vote and activate and, and, and push for change because we're literally in the best case study for what happens when we don't push for change and when we just allow things to happen and when we just sit quiet. We literally sat quiet since what, the 60s? And look what happened. I think, I think you made a great point of addressing, even when you feel uncomfortable, like when, the, when the, even though in that meeting, although it seems small, you know, that comment, even if it was saying as a joke, like it still made you feel uncomfortable and you addressed it. And I think that's so key just to like piggyback, like address when it feels, when you're uncomfortable. Right, like like all we can do at this point is actually Scream when we're hurt. Right. Yell when you're hurt. Yeah. No. Don't sit there and just take it. And don't turn around and be spiteful. Let's make positive change. Like, if you're not a hateful person, don't be a hateful person out of spite. Use this election as, a, as the opportunity to, sh- to show yourself and other people and, and use this in conversation. Like, this is why we can't just be hateful. That's what hate looks like. That's what spewing hate does. Nothing about this election is good. Maybe Ken Boone. <laughs> I don't um, know about Ken Boone. <laughs> I need to read up on I know, him. I know. I feel like somebody just released an article. Somebody, somebody finally found that like he, he strangles puppies or something. <laughs> he did something. But I think I think the you know you you made a great point and and even piggybacking off the last last episode, which was about we mentioned like we're we're in the middle of of a civil rights movement like we're in the middle of people demanding change and equality it's it's the equivalent of what, what was happening 60 years ago i think the main difference is that we can all do our part whether it's going out to vote or it's speaking up when someone says something that's um Offensive, like we can all do our part to activate in our own ways to make sure that a change actually does happen this time and it's a lasting one. And on that note, 
that's all folks thanks for joining guys and we'll talk to you next step i think yeah next time we release is the week of the election so i guess we'll be We'll have some dope <laughs> shit about this lad. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Hoping how for the best. Yeah, we're hoping for the best. Fingers crossed. What's the week of? So we won't we won't know the results then. But yeah. Yeah. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook underneath Mafa New York. And you can send all questions, comments, likes, dislikes, and all that good stuff and jazz to axmixcompany at gmail.com and that is A-S-K-M-I-X-E-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y dot com. Well, no, at gmail.com. <laughs> Bye, right, y'all. <laughs> See ya.